0: Jericho, tell me about your parachute sheets.
1: They're so chic. How can sheets be so chic? I don't know. but <laughs> They are. They're Yours are gray, right? They're linen and they're gray, and they're the chicest thing that
0: I've ever owned. Wow, chicer than that blazer you're wearing? Can you believe it? Because it's lame pinstripe. I got it from an Italian old lady. It's so cool. Well, you know, they make their sheets in Europe at family-owned factories, maybe, from the same Italian old lady. If you don't know what parachute is, you're missing out. They're the softest bed sheets. Parachute Home has clean, minimalist, neutral colors. So if you want really comfy, soft ass sheets, visit parachutehome.com/slash girlboss for free shipping and returns. Parachute offers a 60-night trial, so you can basically sleep 60 times or more if you take naps. And if you don't love it, just send it back, no questions asked. Again, visit parachutehome.com. That's p-a-r-a-c-h-u-t-e.com/slash/girlboss for free shipping and returns straight to your mattress. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long, we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girl Boss Media, and this is Girl Boss Radio. Coming up on today's episode of Girl Boss Radio, you're going to hear a conversation with Kelly Mullins Brown. I was a grown up before
2: I was a grown up.
0: You know, I wanted to be a career girl for so long. Kelly is a friend and mentor of mine. She also happens to be at the top of Ryan Seacrest's leadership team.
2: He's really one of the kindest people in the business. He has given me his trust, and I take that very seriously. And I probably
0: over-communicate because he likes the details. Kelly Mullins-Brown has been a source of support for me as I navigated a very challenging past year. Most recently, she guided me out of signing a really bad deal. There have been nights where we've drank at least one bottle of wine together. I'm so inspired by Kelly, and I'm grateful for the time she takes to help women like me who are always learning about business. And that's why I wanted her to share her story with us.
2: I never felt sexism until I got into a position of power.
0: But nailing her down for this conversation was damn near impossible. She never does interviews, and she has deliberately remained behind the scenes. I made a choice to be a behind-the-scenes person. It's not about me. But what Kelly has to say is important and inspiring, and so that is why we all but kidnapped her and dragged her here to talk and share her wisdom with us.
2: You are not going to get anything you don't ask for. You're not going to get that promotion. You're not going to get that
0: raise. You're not going to get that job, period. Kelly's story is about a woman who was born into a chaotic life, who endured a rather difficult childhood, but through her solid work ethic, her educational values, and her desire to evolve, she has built an amazing career in the entertainment business.
2: I had to learn that not everyone's going to like me.
0: I had to come to terms with that. As the woman responsible for overseeing corporate strategy, business development, brand innovation, and strategic alliances for creative entrepreneur, TV host, radio host, and producer Ryan Seacrest, Kelly Mullins-Brown is a powerhouse. On an average workday, Kelly might be found negotiating one of Ryan Seacrest's many talent and endorsement deals or overseeing the expansion of his menswear brand, Ryan Seacrest Distinction, which, by the way, was one of the most successful menswear launches at Macy's department stores in more than a decade. And it won't stop there. Kelly is leading the charge helping Ryan build a diverse portfolio of media, entertainment, tech, and lifestyle businesses. But first, a moment in time with Jericho Mandy Burr, hey. our editorial director. Yeah, I'm in the back. So I'm so into this piece on um, listening to the same song over and over again, which I think we've all done, but wondered, like, why do we do that? I mean, we all know repetition is pretty efficient. But tell me more about this.
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, amazing girlboss.com editor Dina wrote a story on repetition and how when you listen to the same song again and again you probably just think you're doing it because like makes you feel good but the reason it makes you feel good is because your brain is able to kind of cut everything else out in the background and just dissolve into the song with its rhythmic familiarity. So if you're listening to a playlist at work and you kind of like getting distracted by the lyrics just put on one song that you really really love and you'll find that like you're happier and you're more productive and it's based on a book right yeah it's by this author elizabeth helmuth Margulis. yeah she wrote a book all about it and basically it's kind of like being talked about a little bit right now on the internet again
0: yeah it's called on repeat how music plays the mind it's really interesting what an interesting thing to research Maybe it works the same with podcasts. If you listen to us on repeat, we just fade into the background and our numbers
1: become part of your subconscious. Our download
0: numbers are higher. <laughs> so I guess there's some kind of thing called
1: DonaldDonates.com. What's that? Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously, Donald Trump is big on Twitter, um, as in he tweets a lot at really late hours. Small and hands. Of, he's got small fast. hands. So yeah. <laughs> Low center of gravity. (laughs) (laughs) Everything he says is usually a bummer. Beyond. But you can, like, make it into a positive thing because Donald Donates, where every time Donald tweets anything, you can donate, like, a certain amount of money to, like, a charity or organization of your choice. And they have so many to choose from. Like, it covers literally everything, like civil rights, um, like wildlife organizations, reproductive rights. And you can, like, choose as little as 10 cents. (laughs) And then at the end of the month, they just like automatically take it out of your bank balance and you can feel good because every time you see Donald tweet, you can be like, you just played yourself, Donald, because now I'm giving money to the organizations that you want to shut down. That's that's so good. Yeah. It's like really punk. It's so punk.
0: It's super punk. (laughs) (laughs) Jericho, where can our listeners find Girlboss and all the incredible work that you're doing?
1: Just go to girlboss.com. Or follow us on social media at GoBoss. Thank you for being here today. I am ready for my interview with Kelly Mullins Brown now.
0: So this is awkward, but it's time for you to go.
1: God, you're rude. Right. <laughs> Let's
0: introduce our friends to our sponsors, shall we? Me undies. Not you undies. Me undies, Jericho. They're for your butt. And they have tons of different colors and styles to fit whatever your preference is. Boy short, bikini, thong, something for everyone. What do you wear?
1: What kind of? F- Not a thong. Whose preference is a thong? Uh, I mean, m- me. That's weird. Well, my butt like eats my underwear. Everything. Yes, you may. As so well it's roll just with might
0: it. as well just shove it in there. Yeah. Me undies is the most comfortable pair of underwear that you will own, uh, made from sustainably sourced, naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton. I tested three times. I really want them. They're super duper breathable, and once you try them, you'll love them. And. Me undies provides a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They guarantee that you will love your undies or your money back. And right now, Me Undies has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You get 20% off your first pair and free shipping. To get the best and most soft underwear you will ever own, go to MeUndies.com girlboss. That's MeUndies.com girlboss, meundie dot slash girlboss girl boss. This is a limited time offer. Go get the softest shit to put on your butt right now. Me undies. I got a zeal <laughs> massage last night. Really? For real. We I should got do the, that to the office. I got off an airplane from New York, came home, my amazing boyfriend made tacos for us, and then nice. the doorbell rang and two talented women walked to the door with giant massage tables better than what most spas have and touched my body for 60 minutes. So Um, good! It is incredible. The masseuses are like really, really good. They come from like the best spas. Uh These are like the best massage therapists who are like total pros working the best day spas at your house for like a really good price. You can book one-offs, you can book 60 minutes, 90 minutes, uh, men, women. You can book someone at 10 p.m. It's like a dream come true. So on-demand massage, just go to zeal.com or on Zeal's iPhone or Android app. That's zeal, spelled Z-E-E-L.com. Select from top local licensed and pre-screened massage therapists, seven days a week, 365 days a year. To help get you started, our listeners can get $25 off their first massage by using the promo code girlboss at checkout. And it gets better. Sign up for Zeal's massage membership and get 20% off all your massages. That's what I have. It's the best. Mm. Plus a free massage table and sheet set that you just get to keep. What? That's a $380 value. Yours free. There's no initiation fee to join the membership, just a great additional savings on top of the $25 discount you're going to get when you use promo code girlboss. So go to zeal, spelled dot lcom or on Zeal's iPhone or Android app, and then make sure to click add promo code at checkout to use my code girlboss and get $25 off your first in-home on-demand massage. Kelly Mullins-Brown is a friend, a mentor, and she's a big deal in the entertainment industry. But if you haven't seen her in many photos or magazines, it's because she likes it that way. But I can't help but wonder, how did she get here? Here's Kelly to tell her story in her own words.
2: I have six brothers and a twin sister, Kim. So there are a lot of us, kind of typical 70s family dysfunction. Parents got divorced, everyone remarried, kids went back and forth. You know, different from today, I think... In my generation, and I'm older than you, you know, you really raised yourself. I think a better way to say that probably would be we raised each other.
0: Were you a latchkey kid? Oh, totally.
2: You know, we did sports and activities, but it's just, my I don't even remember my parents going to a parent-teacher conference ever. I had perfect attendance. <laughs> I love school. What do you attribute the perfect attendance to, like? Not wanting to be home. I mean, like, we weren't allowed to watch TV or I read a lot of books. I read a lot. Uh, We were outside playing. I would just say I would characterize my childhood in general as, you know, semi-chaotic, a lot of ups and downs with my parents. They were dealing with their lives, and we were just growing up (laughs) alongside of them. But um, I would say the biggest takeaway from my childhood that impacted me, especially from a career perspective, is my stepmom. And she's probably the strongest person or a parental figure in my life, interestingly, not my biological parents. You know, she was a teacher for over 30 years and took on a lot of kids that weren't hers. Just did it with grace. What did she teach uh, you? Grace, manners, that only boring people <laughs> are bored. <laughs> she said that all the time. I think she taught us we could do anything. Like, I really believe that. Like, I, I don't remember thinking oh, this is going to be hard or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and considering, like, I think it was really hard for her, you know? But she never let us feel that. My mom does say this about me. Like, I was a grown-up before I was a grown-up. You know, I wanted to be a career girl for so long. Like, Mary Tyler Moore was my hero, you know? Working girl, you know? Like, one of my favorite movies. Like, women's empowerment at the time was just we believed we could do anything. And so I always believe, I th- think I still believe, it can happen if you want to. Like, if you want to do
0: something, you can do it. I had a, like, not super happy home.
2: Yeah, I don't think I was happy in my childhood
0: um, either. So, And I feel like part of my ambition is a response to, like, trying to drown out parts of my personal life or parts of myself that I'm just now, like, kind of coming around to. Do you feel like your career or ambition has been, you know, or success with your career has been somewhat a response to the hardship you had as a kid? I mean, listen, I will be candid with
2: you. You know, my biological mom was a Cuban immigrant. Um, She had substance abuse problems. You know, she left our life, I think, when I was like eight or nine Somewhere around there, my stepmom came in. And then my biological dad has been in and out of jail my whole life. So, you know, those aren't easy circumstances to kind of navigate. So you grew up really fast. Like, I knew how to do laundry really really early. You know, I became a good cook because, you know, no one else was cooking. (laughs) You, You know, but so I think your childhood definitely shapes you in terms of
0: where you go and what you want to be. Let's stop there for a moment and put it into perspective. You get it, right? Simply put, Kelly didn't have an easy childhood. When times were rough early on, there are two paths. You can either stay in that bad place and become it, or you can get out as quickly as possible and start something new for yourself, which is exactly what Kelly did. I get it, and this is one of these moments where I feel like Kelly and I might just be kindred spirits. I did the same thing, too. Just hurry up and go.
2: I think there's two kinds of people that you can either kind of stay in that place. And we know a lot of people who high school was their best time ever. And like, I couldn't wait to finish. I couldn't wait to finish high school. I couldn't wait to finish college. Like I was in a rush to get somewhere. I don't think I knew where I was going, but I was in a rush to get out of where I was. I was
0: too. And I think there's the people that like don't know how to evolve out of whatever they were born into and the people that like run as far away from it as they possibly can and figure out how to build something new. And now your job is building things, right? Yeah.
2: It only takes one person to make a big difference in someone's life. And for me, that was my stomach. just saying I believe in you and you can do whatever you want. And she mm-hmm. believed education was a big pathway to that. There are eight kids in my family and we've all graduated college. Huge day for her. Whoa. I thought I would share a story about Kind of what it was like for me early on. Because I had this very idealistic view, I, I still think I do of the world, which is nice, but disappointing. I've been disappointed a lot. Uh, my mom used to always say she wishes that she could give me a crystal ball, a magic wand, <laughs> something else to make it all better, but that's just not how life works. So loving. Yeah. And so I, for whatever reason, didn't go to college right away after high school. I ended up Taking semester off, but I got an internship at a major market research firm. I was gonna work for this woman who is the head of marketing and I was like, I didn't know what I was gonna be doing or even what that meant, but I was just like, Wow, this is amazing. And I had gotten the job as a result of like babysitting (laughs) this guy's kids. (laughs) I went there not really knowing what I was gonna do. And on the first day, so excited, and I walk up to her office and on her door was, you know, like the hang tag like in a hotel that says reserve, you know, I'm sleeping or whatever. It said, um, "It's not PMS. I'm always bitchy."
0: That was your first boss.
2: It was terrible. It was awful. She hated me. Like as soon as I said hello, and I was I was so like surprised. And she's just kind of looking back. I, kind of understand a little bit, maybe. But, you know, I got in the job because I babysat the boss's kid. She didn't really know anything about me or my work ethic or anything. But she made a lot of judgments because of the way I looked. Because you're blonde? Yeah, I'm blonde. You know, I was tan. I would had a great summer. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you? I was, what was I, 18? Oh, God. You know, and she was stuck with this kid. I'm sure she resented me, but I didn't understand all that. All I did was Go home and cry to find my, my, my mom. So I talked to my friend that had got me the job, and he was like, You know what? I think we have a better place for you. And he moved me to uh, work with these two statisticians on this really interesting study. It was the first huge Hispanic media study. This is like 1988. And I had the best summer. I ended up working with these, like, really smart guys who totally valued all my data entry, <laughs> which is basically what I did all summer. They really respected me from day one just because I shut up on time, I stayed late, I did what I was told. And that research component actually always is still kind of in me and what I like to
0: do and how I prepare. It's not always what you think it's going to be. Let's take a look at how this impacts all of us. It's nice to hear that one of Kelly's first bosses was a woman. And I think we can all agree that we need more females in leadership. But holy shit, I wish we could spot the ones who don't do their best to support other women before they end up in the corner office.
2: I would say what I learned from the very start is sometimes you are learning what you don't want to be, especially as you're growing into a leader. And so that's what I usually advise people And that I try to spin it like I've got to be learning something from this experience. I've got to be learning. I do believe in conflict resolution, like in being out in the open. And sometimes it's just a personality thing. And you don't have to be best friends with everyone you work with, a lot of things. But I haven't had like a tremendous amount of trouble. But I think I've always viewed women as just my contemporaries. And we're in this together. And... You know, it's unfortunate when sometimes you do get some resistance, but that's their problem.
0: Yes, the gender wage gap is a big deal, but it's actually a lot worse than the well-known stat that women make 78 cents for every dollar a man makes. When you look specifically at Hispanic women, they make only 57 cents for every dollar a white man makes, and black women make only 62 cents for every dollar that a white man makes. And of course, it's all complicated by the fact that women are less likely to negotiate their first salary. Worse, if you walk through the door at a lesser salary, chances are you will always make a lesser salary.
2: I would say that I've learned so much from so many people around me along the way. And I've also, like, read, like, every single book on negotiation, you know, like... I'm a lifelong learner. Like, there's no thing I can't research and, like, find out more about. Like, especially now. Like, there's just, like, so much information out there. What are the biggest um, things
0: you've learned about negotiating?
2: That I think my stop of negotiation, which I learned from uh, a very experienced lawyer in town who has been terrific to me, is, you know, kind of don't play games. Say what you want and hold back maybe something but like let's not like go back and forth although sometimes it does end up that way but be straightforward be honest sometimes you don't know what you want is the only problem in negotiation as things go along but you know be transparent don't be emotional it sounds so basic but it is a relationship like you're having a dialogue with someone so if you're if you're having a conversation you know we don't tiptoe around stuff we just answer it or say like not today or whatever like Negotiation is the same way. It's just a conversation. So people say, oh, you know, so-and-so is a tough negotiator or something. Only reason you're tough is because you're asking for something. How do you
0: ask for something without being creepy?
2: Listen, you are not going to get anything you don't ask for. Period. You're just not. You're not going to get that promotion. You're not going to get that raise. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to get that extra percentage point or options in your job, you do not get what you
0: don't ask for. Why is that? It's because everyone else is thinking about themselves?
2: I think there's some of that. I think women are terrible (laughs) at negotiating for themselves. I mean, I'm terrible at it. Like, still, we we think we don't deserve it somehow. And I don't know whether it's a societal thing, because it's kind of counterintuitive to what I said earlier, which is like, I think I can do anything, but oh, you don't have to pay me. You know the same as the guy
0: that had the job before me what are the qualities of the people who rise through the ranks you know in your organization or who you like keep an eye on and are really impressed by i can spot a star someone who's focused
2: on time prepared sends a thank you note little things little things make such a big difference You know, sending an email, you know, I know no one sends formal notes anymore, but even sending an email, fine. But letters go a
0: long way, right? Sending a card?
2: Saying thank you, even if you're late. What I say is you're never too late to say thank you or never too late to offer your sympathies to someone, never too late to offer a kind word to someone. I mean, I, I send notes all the time to people when I see stuff about them because that's what you do, like... Like, I believe in graciousness. And that, to me, that's what grace is about, is actually being humble enough to recognize there's a whole big world out there and you're just a small part of it.
0: It's time for us to thank the partners who are making all of this possible. For the mm-hmm. woman who wants to look impeccable at work but has better things to do than sift through uninspiring racks of pantsuits, the solution is M.M. LaFleur. Founded by Women for Women, They take the work out of dressing for work by offering luxurious, pragmatic clothing and personal styling to today's busy professional woman. You fill out a quick online survey and one of their discerning stylists will send you a bento box of wardrobe staples and accessories, hand-picked just for you based on your preferences and lifestyle. Prefer tops with sleeves? Looking for work pants that are travel friendly and truly flattering? Need dresses that are machine washable and have pockets? They've got you covered. Once your bento box arrives, you have four days to try everything on. Then keep what you like and send the rest back. It's completely free to try and because they're not a subscription service, there's no commitment. To try a Bento yourself, visit mmbento.com. That's m-m-b-e-n-t-o dot com. Shipping is free both ways, and there's really no commitment. So try M.M. M. Le Fleur. today. So you started your career in PR, no? Or like you were in PR before yes. you? So I went to school at Indiana, and then... This is kind of the fun part.
2: You'll love this. So I went on a whitewater rafting trip with my parents the summer before I was supposed to graduate, and I kind of fell for the guide. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yes. And he was from Oregon, and I was applying to grad schools at the time. So I went to the University of Oregon, and I got married. Did you stay married? I did not stay married. We were together for seven years. We were married for five years, and it was just kind of a dumb move you were in your 20s i was in my 20s stupid but um he was a great guy he taught me a lot a lot about life talking about that life experience like he's he was a thrill seeker he loved outdoors and exposed me to some amazing experiences but i by that point had had a switch turned in me and i was like oh i really want to do this career thing after grad school we moved to idaho and i was an editor of a magazine there which was fun but then my marriage fell apart. I didn't know what to do.
0: What did divorce <laughs> feel like? Is I, was, it, is it, I, I mean, afforded. a young person getting...
2: I was 27. I was ashamed. I was like, family didn't understand. I basically woke up and I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. And I was also ambitious. I had a couple of projects within the university and I was able to work with some really brilliant women, some of whom were still some of my closest friends who worked for the foundation and the public affairs department, just kind of... Gave me a chance to do a bunch of different things, and I wanted to do more of that. And, you know, communications was a big, big part of it. I was writing obituaries for a long time. <laughs> you know, life happens, and uh, I woke up one day and I said, I don't know who I am anymore, and that really worried me. We were just on different paths now.
0: Someone else had to divorce me for me to realize that.
2: Yeah, well,
0: it was you know, a favor, but it sucked.
2: I had an uncle who told me, if you're going to do it, just do it, do it fast. And so I did it, and I did it fast, and my uncle helped me move to Portland. (laughs) I was living in Eugene. Downstairs was a really good friend of mine that I'd met in Idaho, who was working at Wyden & Kennedy at the time. I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. And while I was at the university, I worked with the board, and when I was going through this experience, someone said to me, you know, I know this person, he's looking for marketing, so... It was a finance company, of all things, and uh, I met with the CEO at the time, and he's like, oh, you can sit on the desk from six to three and learn about finance, because my big concern was I didn't know anything about finance. I knew marketing, sort of, but I didn't know anything about finance. So he's like, you can sit at the desk for the first six months and learn finance from six to three, and then from three on, you can do your marketing job. And it was like a real kind of it was an independent brokerage and... I learned a lot about finance, which has served me well to this day. And um, I ended up working um, with the head of trading, and we built a new online trading system. And I ended up hiring a company in L.A. And they offered me a job. In PR? <laughs> in Yeah, as their head of communications. I mean, that's how it happened. It's like so random.
0: So random. And then they had
2: as part of their, their kind of incubator, and they had as part of their portfolio a bunch of entertainment companies. Who knew?
0: And that's how you got an entertainment?
2: Yeah. Working at a finance company. so weird.
0: What is the most surprising thing about the entertainment world to you? You know, like, people come to L.A., they ogle the Hollywood sign, they go down Hollywood Boulevard. It's so foreign to me that I live here. I fell in love with California a long time ago. Um,
2: when I was a kid, yeah. my mom did this trip. When I got here, I was like, this place is nice. You know, when I, in, in terms of, like, the every stereotype that you think about Hollywood exists. But... I think what people don't understand is most of the people in this town work and work hard. Many of us are in offices and on the phone all day long. (laughs) You know, we don't have time for lunch. There's tons of production people who are very skilled at what they do, and they work very long hours. Um, putting together the creative products that the world loves. Like, it is a working town. Yes, there's glamour. Yes, all that. But it's actually not very glamorous. So that's what I used to tell my mom. My job is not glamorous. Trust me.
0: Yeah, TV sets are, like, heinous. Ugh, it's the worst. You're in the middle of
2: nowhere and, like, takes forever. and It's crazy. Yeah, you know, so like... I would say that, like, Hollywood isn't as glamorous as people think. Have you been in a writing room? Like, it's usually yeah. some, like, strange The most room. disgusting office
0: spaces I've ever <laughs> seen for, like, temporary TV I'm trying not to curse you know? so
2: my mom doesn't get mad. So I'm like, but they're usually the biggest friggin' hellholes. And, like, that's where people spend, like, hours, days. They sleep. Like, showrunners sleep on the set. Like, but I love that. Like, people in this town, like, work hard. Tell me about getting into the entertainment world. I got into communications, which is really... You know, strategic communications in the sense of building a strategy for either a company or a launch, a product launch, or a TV show, and it was fun figuring out how to like introduce something to the world or do defense on something that people are misinterpreting. I liked it and I was kind of good at it and that's kind of what I did for a long time. So let's talk about Ryan. Okay. How long have you
0: worked with Ryan? Um, Since 2008. How did you meet Ryan Seacrest?
2: I was leading the strategic communications division at 42 West, which is an entertainment PR firm. His personal publicist was at 42 West, and he was growing his business and getting more and more kind of expanding beyond kind of just being talent at that time. So she asked me to come in and help. (laughs) So we had several meetings, and I thought he was very nice, and... They kept asking me, they're like, I don't understand. Why do we need you? We need to pay you more? Like, they were very, very skeptical at the time because it was different. I described doing something different for them, augmenting what a talent publicist usually does. And talent publicists are great, but it's different than kind of more of a corporate strategy communications role. What is the difference? A talent publicist is really focused on the talent and, and usually that talent is on TV or does movies, right? And so... There are certain promotion responsibilities they have, and how do you build a star? You you know get them covers of magazines and interviews and all that stuff. And a talent publicist works on all that. I would say on the more corporate side, you're usually dealing you know more um, working on an overall brand or company. I think they're the same thing, as well as the leadership of that entity working for companies is different than working you know for a single talent
0: I interrupted you though mm. you're talking about
2: oh, my, my meeting first Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. yeah so it was interesting I was coming out of I had breast cancer when I was 37. I worked through my treatment um, I had a great amazing book of business. I work with a lot of producers because I like them because they they build stuff and I like helping make that happen.
0: Is this woman a rock star or what? Kelly just glossed over the cancer thing like it's no big deal. But at only 37, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she kicked cancer's ass while also working through her treatments. Kelly doesn't want to swear during this conversation, but I will. Fuck cancer. So I asked Kelly, what is a producer? Oh, that's such a great question. A producer
2: makes stuff happen. That's what a producer does. They bring an idea to life. It's like a maestro of the symphony. You know, you have writers that you hire. You have people that are searching for ideas and development. Producers are awesome because they're manic about getting their creative idea and bringing that to life. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I love those guys. It's a cool job. It's great. And not everyone can do it, but, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with,
0: you know, some of the best men and women in the business, so... So you mentioned breast cancer. Yeah, I mentioned
2: my breast cancer. I worked through the whole thing. Kind of keeps me going. You asked before kind of like what drives you and I, are you driving away from something? Sometimes you are. I was very stunned about that and it brought a different perspective to my life. My doctor, when I was first diagnosed, said this can either really drag you down or maybe be the best thing that ever happened to you. I'm not sure. I would call it the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> Chemo is not fun. But... It taught me so much and changed me, I think, and softened me. So, yeah, Ryan got a different version of Kelly <laughs> than he would have a couple of years earlier. So I was asked to come in and join the team. And one of the first things I did, which a talent publicist would normally do, but I did, was work with the Oprah producer on Ryan's appearance on Oprah. <laughs> and I was like very I was. – I've always been very detail-oriented and – and he liked that, I think, from the very beginning. It was is different than what he had seen in the past. And we just had complementary styles. And I like to prepare people I work with and give background. And, you know, preparation, I think, is half the key to su- success, is knowing who you're in the room with before you get in the room and all those things. So we hit it off and kind of a year into it we were somewhere random. We were on a set, speaking of sets, and he was like, why don't you come work for me? And I was like, really? I mean, it hadn't even crossed my mind. Um, I had a great business, and I had so many clients I loved. And I was like, huh, well, what would I do? He's like, I'm not exactly sure we would figure it out. I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. I was like, I don't think so. I, like, And we continued the conversation. And the more I thought about it, I was like, wow. You know, sometimes there are decisions you have to make. And you either kind of say, is this something? Like, I'm not really, I don't look in the rear view mirror very often. I don't believe in regret. (laughs) I don't believe in guilt. (laughs) There's a lot of things I don't believe. I have a lot of rules. (laughs) He's just at a really interesting time in his career. And I thought I could contribute something. I didn't know what. And at the time, I was also, because I worked with so many smart people in this business, I really love the business side of Hollywood. So I I went in and we figured it
0: out. How would you describe Ryan's work ethic? Tremendous. I mean,
2: this is what I'll say about Ryan. He is the best boss I've
0: ever had. He
2: has been my biggest champion. I mean, I I didn't know what I was doing. Always. (laughs) He doesn't say, oh, you messed that up. Because <laughs> I've messed up. <laughs> As you kind of move up in decision-making circles, you sometimes you make high-level people unhappy. It's not fun. But he's always been great about, like, kind of what we learn from this. This is our takeaway, you know. He's always, and I think that's, like, a great response <laughs> to someone, like, because no one's harder on me than me.
0: Yeah, that's what I figured, you know. Yeah. It's like...
2: No one's harder on me than me. And he knows that about me. And so he will express his, you know, disappointment about things, but doesn't stay there long. So we've had, you know, we have a really nice relationship. But he's he's really probably, like, one of the kindest people in the business. Um, he believes in the little things. You know, he has given me his trust. And I take that very seriously. And I probably overcommunicate because he likes the details and you think he's not paying attention. And then I'll say, like, on page three of the, of the memo you wrote, there's a typo in the second paragraph. Make sure you fix that.
0: <laughs> what do you feel like you've learned from him? I've learned so much.
2: I've learned you can be kind and still get what you want. I think I've learned that treating people with respect and he has this amazing ability, will go to any shoot for some random promo or something. And before he even does anything, he goes around and in- introduces himself to every single crew member. I've learned patience or impatience can be a virtue. Sorry, I, I misspoke. Impatience, that's what Ryan and I both are. I think being who you are, not afraid to take on new challenges, I don't know, it's kind of endless, my list of learnings from Ryan. And I I still learn from him. He's a lifelong learner. He's extremely curious. He doesn't take himself too seriously, and I I do (laughs) take myself very seriously. So I'm working on that still.
0: So I asked Kelly to talk to me about when we first met, and she said, life connected us. Ryan Seacrest and Kara Swisher hosted a dinner for an executive that Ryan was working with. They wanted to fill the tables with creative types, and lucky me, I was on Kelly's list of invitees. That's the thing about Kelly. She's always connecting people and building networks. She's one of the most well-connected women I know, without being a networker.
2: I want to just talk about this circle of women in my life that I've sought out, I think, increasingly, Or maybe they've found me. I don't know. It's a combination, I think, thereof now. Women in business and different cultures has been in the headlines, right, for the last year. And I never felt sexism until I got into a position of power. But most of the time, the men that I work with have called it out. So I've been very fortunate. But I also have been very fortunate in just meeting just the most amazing like-minded women like my friends I feel like we're all like a little bit or a lot alike (laughs) in the sense that you know we never run out of things to say we're all sharing experiences whether it's about our daily life or home life or divorce or you know what to make for dinner like you know it's it's that kind of communication and my friends are my family and some of my women friends, I've been friends with a really long
0: time. I feel like that's what I've found is just like a great group of women. Like I never asked anyone to mentor me per se. It
2: just kind of happens. But like the dinner that you did, like locked in and like one of my best friends was there. You know, I brought like four people. Like, you know, that's what you do is you, I think at least in this generation,
0: I feel a real sense of women wanting to lift each other up. I wonder if you noticed that Kelly Mullins-Brown used the same word frequently when asked about her career. I did, and it really struck me. The word was grace. We're often moving so fast we forget that part, right? Rather than gloat about her many impressive accomplishments, Kelly took this opportunity, a rare public interview on my podcast, to thank those people who have helped her along the way. Her stepmom, Ryan Seacrest. It was a good reminder in a world of I and me that we're on this crazy ride together. Everyone makes mistakes.
2: Everyone. Whether you send out a press release with a typo in the headline or you're late to something or you mispronounce someone's name or you we're human. Everyone's flawed. It's how you recover and accepting responsibility. So, have I failed? Certainly, I'm sure. I don't really view it that way. Again, I kind of go back to, like, you know, my mom's drilled this into me. Like, what can I learn from this? What can I learn? Like, okay, I got to do it different next time because, you know, we ran into this speed bump. I think speed bumps are really how I view things. As, you know, obstacles. You're going to make poor decisions or have bad judgment. It's just life. Like, as you get older, I'd like to think you do it less. Sometimes I feel like as I've gotten older, I feel like I know less than I did but I think I was a lot more confident when I was, you know, 32 (laughs) somehow. And now I know, like, there's a lot of vulnerabilities and, you know, it's a different kind of confidence now than then. I believe in working through it. Like, here's the thing in this business, like, come on, have perspective. And I think obviously my cancer gives me this perspective. Like, we are not curing cancer. I wish we were, but we're not. But I love this business. I love what we do. It's creative, it's fun, we give people joy. Not everyone gets it, you know, that's okay. I've been able to do some other things with Ryan too, be fashion and tech and skincare. You know, we're always learning, trying new things, and that's what makes my job fun. Entertainment is music, movies, TV, like I can never get enough of it.
0: Before I let Kelly leave, I asked her a question I always ask about the women we feature on Girl Boss Radio. I asked her to tell me about her most recent Girl Boss moment.
2: I think it was just realizing at my birthday party recently, I don't celebrate enough. I just don't. I'm like, yep, great, okay, move on um, type person, probably from my child or some demented <laughs> point of view. But I felt very blessed that evening. Because I was surrounded by like so many like wicked, smart, funny, loving women. Because I just had a girls only party. It was only it was ladies only. I should say not girls, but ladies only. And because I didn't want it to be very big, there was only like fifteen people there. I think about it was special, and and just catching up. I've had a very very busy year, and I have worked a lot. And I feel like I haven't seen people. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to do this and have people over. And my birthday's in the summer. No one usually can come to anything. But everyone was home, and it was, like, cool. And different people who hadn't met but had heard about each other had met. And, you know, it's not easy being boss lady. It's very lonely. I would say that's one of the biggest challenges. Because you have to make decisions, and it can get scary. And, you know, there's risks, and... You can mess up, (laughs) impact other people, and... Doing um, a good
0: job can mean disappointing people.
2: It can, and I had to learn that not everyone's going to like me. I had to come to terms with that. I think everyone wants everyone to like you, but in my job, I have to have the hard conversations. I have to tell people no. I have to disappoint people, like you said, and I don't relish that always.
0: Kelly's not wrong. It can be very isolating at the top, and yes, I'm speaking from experience. Instead of letting it harden her, Kelly has made a conscious decision to be nice, to be thoughtful, and to be gracious. Thank you for giving this Girl Boss Radio podcast a listen. If you made it this far, we're probably best friends. You can subscribe and tell your other friends to join us for new episodes every week. Until we meet again, I'm Sophia Amoruso, and I love you.